Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I have Kate Adams, PhD, back on the show. Please tune in to last week's episode as we began a beautiful conversation. We are going to continue it today. Kate is an internationally recognized teacher of children's spirituality. She spent a decade teaching children where she was deeply inspired by the insights they shared. Their narratives led her to a path of discovery about children's spiritual worlds. Initially through her PhD, which delved into children's dreams and sleep, which they believed they had a divine connection. She's explored a range of spiritual aspects of young people's lives, and her current project focuses on adults' memories of their childhood imaginary invisible friends. Throughout her studies, children have often explained that their spiritual experiences and wonderings are regularly dismissed as imagination or simply ignored. Kate's work gives voice to them to help adults understand young people's inner worlds and appreciate the wisdom they offer us. Welcome back, Kate. So let's talk about angels. Let's talk about (laughs) (laughs) That was my next question. What have children told you about angels? And and before you answer that, what are generally the what is the age range of the children? Because from my research, usually around six or seven is when they, you know, start start not having as many of these experiences. What what is your experience? Yeah, that that's interesting. Um, I I did a study with four to eleven year olds. Um. And some of those younger children were, were saying things like this. And, and other work I've done has been mostly seven to, to 11-year-olds. And I think, although we can't be sure, I think these experiences do carry on, but they become, around the age of six and seven, they become much, much more aware of peer pressure yes. and people not taking it seriously. Mm. So I think um, there's a lot more out there that we don't really know. Uh, I mean, I, I had children themselves who uh, they'd agreed to take part in the research and their parents had given uh, permission for them to do so. But one or two of them backed out at the last minute and, and they'd said to their teacher, I really want to go and talk to that lady. But if I go out of the classroom and go and see her, my friends are going to know so I, I've changed my mind. And, you know, that's yes. that real fear. But I think very young children, um, yeah, as young as three, four, five, who are perhaps less aware of that. Right. So they will tell us more. Um, 
because of that young age, you think that what you see, everyone else sees. And until right. someone tells you, actually, no, that's, we don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I was, um, before we get to angels, I was doing a small ritual with, um, which that's my, pro- my a new project of mine, where mm. I'm working with children and families with rituals. And I was with, interestingly, a two and a half year old and mm-hmm. a, I think she, her sister was six. And the two and a half year old was, um, had been, she was really scared of being left alone and, and would see monsters. And it was so beautiful because the ritual is all about not only validating, but letting a child know that we are all here anytime Mm -hmm. to help you, to be with you. Even if we're not here physically, just close your eyes and, you know, think of your sister or think of your puppy or think of, and the six-year-old, it was so perfect. She goes, well, what I do, I just close my eyes and I clap my hands and gold just appears all around me. And her little sister was, I mean, she was only two and a half. She was pretty articulate talking about these moms. And this little sister was looking at her and you could just tell, you know, I know that will, you know, that will help. She just smiled and later they hugged and, and it was just, it was just so incredibly beautiful. So when they're that young and just so open for them to validate one another too. Yeah. So, so tell us a few, a few of the stories about what children have said about, about angels. Yeah. Yeah. These these are really interesting. Um, So I spoke to a little boy called Jonas, who was seven. And um, it was interesting because he used the word fairy and the Mm. word angel interchangeably which was the only time I've come across that um but it was it was nice but um so he was seven but he remembered back to when he was five years old and and he and his sister had gone out to the um his cousin sorry had gone out to the local park and his cousin was was 16 and um he said um he, he saw this winged creature uh who was pretty big and she had white wings and silver shoes on, silky shoes. And she, mm, well, as soon as we saw her, she went straight back up to heaven. And she was there for like half an hour. And he, he said that she spoke in a very gentle voice, um, but he, he couldn't remember um, the words that she'd said um, because he said, well, I, I can't remember because I was only five. <laughs> <laughs> How sweet. Now that's honesty. It, it's great, isn't uh, it? And um, so, so we see ch- children um, like Jonas who say they see angels while they're awake and um, the traditional guardian angel um, n- near their bed. Um but children also see angels in their dreams sometimes uh, as well. Um, so Samantha, who was um, 10 years old, she she had a little pet hamster called Hammy. And Hammy had been ill and her dad said, you know, he was going to have to take Hammy to the, the vets. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, you know, Samantha was upset but she said she had a dream 
and an angel appeared in the dream and said to her, Hammy would be happier and he will be looked after well and he wouldn't feel any pain or mm. any. So um, Samantha, you know, at the age of 10, she, she, she knew that um, Hammy wasn't going to survive, you know, the, the trip to the vets. And she knew that before the dream. But she she took comfort in the angel's uh, words, really, and she said, "You know, well, I I I felt ha I felt happier because I knew Hammy would have a happy life after his physical death." Yes, and um, she said, "The dream, the dream that what the angel said had helped prepare her for for his death." in a nice way, was oh. the way she described it. And the other nice thing about that was it helped her support her. She had a younger brother and sister who weren't really old enough to, to fully understand. And she said it helped her help them. Yes. Deal with, it, with his yes. death. We um, could learn a lot from her, right, as adults on how absolutely. to help the young ones. Yeah, And then, of course, so many children see deceased loved ones. I mean, I have interviewed so many mm -hmm. who the children, one little boy, the uncle had passed and he was talking to his, his mom about it. And he said, he didn't die. He's in my room, you know, we're talking about, <laughs> talk about grandparents. And I know, I think it was a little girl that saw her Nana and about the cup of tea. Can you tell that story? Yes. Um, so, so that was, that was in a dream. And uh, it was Katie, Katie seeing her uh, Nana. Yeah. And, and, and these are lovely because again, sometimes as you've just said, it happens when they're awake, uh, sometimes yes. in a dream. And um, the, the Nana would, would always sit at her table with a, with a cup of tea. And um, Katie didn't like tea, but she knew that her, her Nana did. So, yeah, one night there was a dream that, that she, was, she was there. Um, and, again, that, that just made her feel, feel better. Which, yeah. which was nice. Um and and there was there was another one I found really interesting. Um Amy, who who was 10 years old, and she'd had a dream again about her grandmother who'd recently died. And she said, My grandma was on the bus going down the road, and she was telling me before the bus started. She was telling me that she was only going away on holiday and I would see her again. And then she was just away on the bus. So again, you know, a fairly short dream. But she thought that dream, uh, again, was a message from God telling her that, although her grandmother had, had already died, that it was... A symbolic the bus journey was a symbolic yes. journey and that she knew that when she died you know many years in the future hopefully that she would see her grandmother again in in heaven um which 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 was lovely and gave yes. gave her kind of peace as well
Beautiful. The travel narrative is very, very interesting. Um, Lisa Smart, who works with um, Dr. Raymond Moody, she wrote a whole book on this. She's a linguist. And and my mom even did this about um, getting away from dreams for a second. She always talked about getting on the bus, you know, and right before she passed, getting goosebumps again, she said, she goes, you know, I think it's about time to get on that bus. And Lisa, I never really thought about it until I became friends with Lisa and I read her book. And there's so many, you know, um, so many stories and examples of that. But the important thing here, I think, is I'd like to get your opinion is it's kind of, it's very much like near-death experiences. It's about past mm-hmm. lives of children, you know, children talking about past lives. We have so much to talk about <laughs> that we can't get to today. Um, yes, yes. Um, yes, there are these really interesting stories and they they cause us to take pause. But many times they really transform children's lives. I mean, forever. Once again, it's kind of like that. And that is the important, I mean, it's all important, but that's, that's so telling of the, the validity of it, truthfulness that, um, don't you agree? Uh, absolutely. And yeah. it's that, um, that long lasting impact that and this is why it's also important, I think, to hear adults' narratives of, of their memories, because we we then know how long an impact it has had. And yes, it can shape a, a person's entire worldview for their whole life and guide them. And Absolutely. it's phenomenally important. Yes. Yes. So important. So I I also believe that these spiritual experiences that that children have and as we begin to validate and listen more deeply that it really builds an inner strength in a child so they have some place to go when maybe mm. they're feeling lonely or they're scared or they're whatever it may be and can you talk a little bit, a little bit about that? Yeah, I th- I think one of, one of the interesting things I've found is that um, how children make meaning of, of these things doesn't always connect with the upbringing they've had. Yes. And as adults, we mustn't assume that because someone has been brought up in a particular religious tradition or they've been brought up with no religious tradition that they will follow automatically their their upbringing because they don't seem to. Um, They can, I mean, academics call it hybridity where people can take a belief from one one thing um, and a belief from another system and sort of mix and match and and, and whatever. So not, not to take these, things for granted that they will necessarily follow the the beliefs and and systems of comfort that they've been brought up in. Um, Yeah, they have their own agency 
-hmm. And we can't always work out how they've come up with um, those ideas and, and and so on. And perhaps it's it's not for us to know, um, really. I, I do think a lot of it sometimes is a child's kind of inner knowing and intuition. Yes, yes. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Having yeah. an inner, it's it's like us as adults, you know, what, 50, 60, we finally start meditating and doing, well, the new generation <laughs> is much, the new generation is much better at it. But, and we, we have this deep knowing now and it brings us so yeah. much comfort. But if that would happen when you're a child, oh my gosh, I mean, how... How beautiful. So hot off the press, I know you're doing some research on imaginary friends. You and I have chatted about this a little bit. Yeah. And um, have you, do you have any great stories or, or are you just diving into it right now? So yeah, just, just opened a survey, an online survey recently mm -hmm. and um, collecting um, adults, uh, who have strong recollection of yes now I've said imaginary <laughs> stroke invisible companions from, I've heard <laughs> yes from childhood because I think one of the interesting things is most of the research on Im imaginary stroke invisible companions is by developmental psychologists who've found out lots of fascinating things um, for us but they they largely just assume all these experiences are literally imaginary. They're, the children create them as part of their pretend symbolic play. Um, and the children know the difference between uh, fantasy and reality. Um, and most children will absolutely say, yes, you know, I made up my imaginary friend when I'm bored or you know, uh, to help me, etc., uh, etc." et, cetera, et cetera. But there are children who say they're not imaginary. And there are adults who say, even now, you know, they might be in their 50s or 60s, that they remember those friends or companions as clear as day. Mm -hmm. And they will say, you know, their parents at the time, many years back, just thought it was an, an imaginary friend. And they say, no. Uh, it's absolutely real. They can't explain them. Yes. So what I'm trying to do through through my research is um, collect information, um, collect narratives from adults um, through an anonymous uh, online survey. But if people want to follow up interview as well, then they're welcome to leave, to leave a, a contact email. And I'm interested in all different kind of cultural perspectives. Yes. So although I'm looking at a comparison between people who were brought up in the UK and in the USA, because that's where most of this research has taken place, I'm fascinated by um, different cultural views. Um, some cultures don't have a concept of an imaginary friend, and yet their children see invisible people, and they will frame them more as the ancestors, uh, for example. Or right traveling companions or, or spirits from, from another world and that language doesn't appear in all the the western developmental psychology research so I'm yeah. fascinated to to hear about adults experience yes. 
That's interesting because other cultures, when they use those words, it's absolutely a form of validation, right? We, in the Western world, doesn't even use those words. And I find it, I mean, of, of course, developmental psychologists are are hugely important and so knowledgeable. However, sometimes, once again, it's, it's so much like near-death experiences, as Dr. Bruce mm-hmm. Grayson says, is that sometimes the anecdotal, the stories, that's what you have to listen to, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that's where we're getting to at this research yeah. with children. It's like, yeah, I can, you know, I have all these resources and all the, you know, footnotes and biographies and, yeah, yeah. but, but let's just talk about the stories and how, when you're looking into their eyes and maybe the tears and maybe the joyful giggle or whatever it might be. So as you gather all of this research and, and what I'm doing, um, yeah, that's, I think, I think that's really important. So we need to probably start winding it down here a little bit. Do you have any other, any other stories or anything that you would, you would like to share with us? I do want to, have you hooked up with Leslie Lupo yet? No, but I will oh, be. Okay. Okay. So I need to talk to you about that because Leslie Lupo, I encourage my listeners to go back and listen to her, um, mm-hmm. her story about her profound, it's really profound, <laughs> it really shouldn't be, you don't need really with the word profound, but it is really <laughs> profound. <laughs> and about during her near-death experience, she was met by the beautiful woman that she remembered as a four-year-old, a very, I think it was around four, small child when she was romping in the garden with her grandma. And she called her the blue lady because she was surrounded, which you hear this many times as the theric blue light, you know, around her and how her grandma, she was excitedly telling her grandma and her grandma thought she had um, had a spot of sun or, or so I can't remember the terminology. It was so cute. And so put her hat on and gave her a cool glass of water. But Leslie explains this so well. And there, there she was, she was one of her spirit guides. If one, yes, there was one of her spirit guides there with a lot of knowledge and a lot of information. And so that's, you know, that's a really great story. You you definitely need to hook up with that. But anyway, back to, um, do you have any other stories or I would love to, do you have any other stories? <laughs> I, um, I, I think it's important to say um, that everything we've talked about uh, this evening has just been, um, you know, really comforting and life-changing um, experiences. And that's so important. Um, but we also have to remember that occasionally some of these are, are quite frightening. So so yeah. I had a dream. Um, a dream told me to, to me by a, a, a boy who'd been brought up as a Christian. Um, but he actually reported um, a really frightening nightmare. Um, Jesus was on the cross and he could see in graphic detail the blood um, uh, mm. On and um, you know, it it had sort of you know troubled him, yes. And 
sometimes uh, in, in when we write about children's spirituality, we, we talk about dark spirituality. Uh, by that we mean when a child is frightened. And, and just so that adults are aware, just so that we can support right. children. Right. Um, but that doesn't take away, I think, from absolutely the, the majority of, of experiences mm -hmm. are very, very comforting and, and bring joy and happiness or new insights. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I, I just think that that's important to, to think absolutely. about. Absolutely. Absolutely. From, from my interviews, once again, many, many have told me that when, of course, you know, we all want everything to be comforting and light and lovely and happy, but when that, that basically God or the divine would never send something that would, that is more of your mind making it up. Maybe something had happened or maybe it heard a, you know, heard a story at church or school or this or that, but but who knows what is true? The important thing is, is that we validate, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that we validate. So thank you. That's, yeah. that is a very good point. So what are your words of wisdom? What, what can people do that are sitting here or listening and just thinking, oh my gosh, I need to like validate my child more. I need to <laughs> listen more. I need to ask him about these angels or, so what do you, what do you suggest to adults with? I'm sure you get those questions a lot when you, when you talk with groups of, of caregivers or parents. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, you, you hit on one, one of the statements very early on um, in, in the interview about, I think us becoming back like a child Mm -hmm. um, when, when we just l saw everything with wonder and, and, and curiosity, which uh, a, a, a lot of us lose in the, uh, the busy day. So I think it's about making time um, to watch carefully, um, particularly yes. with young children um, who might not have the verbal articulation yet, but they seem maybe perhaps they're interacting with something we can't see that some something something is going on. L listen carefully, um, without trying to impose our own personal views on to something. Yes. Um, I think we also do have to remember, of course. And, and some children have said this in, in research when we say, have you told anyone about this apart from us, the researchers? And, and they say, well, no, I haven't, but that's because it's private. Mm. So sometimes they don't want to. And um, we just need to be just mindful mindful of that, that, yeah. that a child might not want to share. But um, I think my final piece of advice really um actually comes from a child in in my research which which was quite interesting so uh, he he told me um uh, about an experience and, and and I said and have you told anybody and he said well I would have told someone but nobody's ever asked me <laughs> Oh my gosh, bless his heart. <laughs> <laughs> so Kate, 
if you could take a walk with your six-year-old self, Mm. what would you say? When I was six, I was very, 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 very shy and quiet. Mm. Uh, But I loved all these things. I loved going to bed to dream and sleep and, and... I love the idea of ghosts and and the supernatural. So what would I say to my six-year-old self? I would probably say, trust your intuition. Mm -hmm. Yes, so, so important. And if we would learn to do that at a young age, wouldn't life be much more interesting? (laughs) and I think it would make us a lot stronger inside as well absolutely we really trust our intuition yeah okay thank you so much for for coming on the show this has just been a delight and an honor and if people want to find out more find information about you how would they do that uh yes uh, you can contact me on my uh work email which is K, that's just just the initial K, full stop, Adams at leadstrinity.ac.uk. And um, as long as the email doesn't get caught in the spam filter, (laughs) (laughs) I will will reply. And I'd love to hear from anyone. uh, Wonderful. It'd be wonderful. And thank you so much. I'm so glad to have met you that you found me. (laughs) Yes, I, I am too. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.